welcome to episode 52 of the One Life Podcast, where we talk about things from One Life Church, but ultimately things we think can relate to you and your one and only life. My name is Sarah Inman, I'm one of your co-hosts of the podcast, and I'm joined by our lead pastor and co-host of the podcast, Brett Nicholson. And I have to say this. So I'm sitting yeah. in a meeting last week, and I was told, and I want to give a shout out to Tim, uh, who's out there who has listened to all of these. And really? And listens faithfully. That's, that's right. I don't know if anyone else does, but Tim does. And so, wow. Yeah, Thanks, that's Tim. Right. Yeah, yeah, Appreciate you. Yeah. Brett, this is episode 52. 52. That means we've been doing this for a full year. Exactly a year. It seemed like we shouldn't have streamers or Confetti, something. Confetti, like, Yeah, that's right. We like, should have done. There's Austin no decorations Ooh, or anything. Austin could dance. Yeah. And he can show off his fancy beard that he has. <laughs> shaped. Just start out with that right <laughs> now. It's shaped. shaped. If you're watching, right, yeah. if not, you should go to the, the One Life Apple website and you can see Austin's beard right now. Um no, it, but it's just awesome. I was thinking about that. I was like, we've been doing this for a year. I've been able to get to talk to a lot of people, have a lot of great conversations, and um, thankful every week we get to do this. I love getting to do this. Absolutely. So. It's been fantastic. Wouldn't trade it. And so we are going to continue on with a great episode today. We get to talk to um, Austin Maxheimer and Jeremy Seacrest, who, um, as along with uh, Merrick, who also co-wrote this book called Heavensville, which released uh, just a week ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I would love to start out, um, have you guys intro yourself, tell us a little bit about you and the organizations that you're a part of, and um, then we'll get to talk about the book a little bit. Austin, let's start with you. Yeah, Austin Maxheimer. I uh, attend at uh, One Life West, and uh, I'm a former staff member here at One Life, uh, but now work at Community One as Neighborhood Revitalization Director, along with Merrick, the co-author of the book, who is unfortunately not here because he's much cooler has arm tattoos and uh, has a lot of great things to say. He's on a plane. He will be on a plane tonight to Hawaii. So he's not unfortunately. Wow, he is quite cool. Yeah, but you know, cool. if you got a neck tattoo, that it would put you ahead <laughs> of the arm tattoo. That's, yeah, that's a fact. You should do that. I will not. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> right. He's in Hawaii. Look, that's what you get when you work at Community One. That's a lot excellent. Tougher, though, wow. Yeah. I know. And Jeremy Seacrest. Yeah, I'm Jeremy Seacrest, oh, yeah. and I'm the Director of Marketing at the Evansville Christian Life Center. I was a former staffer here as well, wow. and attend One Life East. <laughs> I had thought of that. I know, yeah. Okay, all right, everybody. <laughs> yes, there is some Look scandal. Out, we were, not, we Brett, were not I got, fired. Some, I got <laughs> somebody to tell if you, there's Brett. there's enough time at the <laughs> end of this Something podcast. I need to tell you. Yeah, yeah that's right. Yeah, there's, you know, we'll, Just kidding. We'll get into all that at the end of the podcast. <laughs> if you hang on and listen all the way through, we'll tell you the real story behind <laughs> the <laughs> exodus. So Community One, Evansville Christian Life Center, two organizations that um, One Life loves being able to partner with and talk about and... Um, and just sharing some amazing things that are going on. And you guys, along with Merrick, wrote this book called Heavensville. Yeah. Tell me about the title Heavensville. So, I mean, really, it, I mean, you just try to think of ideas that can actually like be memorable. <laughs> you go through all <laughs> of those. Start. But the idea is, um, we say in Evansville as it is in heaven. And in the Sermon on the Mount, not the Sermon on the Mount. It is the Sermon on the Mount. The Lord's Prayer in the Sermon on the Mount. Um, Jesus prays that your will your kingdom come and your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so we're just taking that idea and hopefully making it kind of uh, sticky or memorable. Hmm. Awesome. Yeah, and that uh, this is something that we can participate in now. Uh, heaven isn't something uh, that we only experience after we die, but it's Jesus came so that we could have abundant life now, is what he said, using his own words. And so we want to help uh, the city of Evansville flourish in that way. Uh, and so we do talk about bringing heaven to Evansville 
Heavensville. And I think one of the things that I wanted to note is that, you know, Pastor Brett has talked about it a lot. There was this moment a few years uh, back where as Evansville came out as one of the most miserable cities uh, in the nation. And we've came a long way since then. Like just this past weekend, there was First Fridays. I ran the Heaven, Evansville Half Marathon and then we had Parks Fest. So it's like there's all these amazing great events that are going on. But what would it look like to not just be a great place to live, but a great testimony to what God has done in our community, that there is no poverty, that there is no dilapidated uh, places in our city, that there's no darkness, that there's no, and that we can, uh, as followers of Jesus, can be participating in bringing heaven uh, to our city. That's awesome. And um, I want to go ahead and just highlight where you can purchase the book if you're interested in reading in Heavensville and being a part of just hearing the the mission and the value kind of behind of what this book is about. Um, you can go to restoringpeople.com slash heaven, which mm-hmm. is the website for the Evansville Christian Life Center. And um, you can find out more and purchase it there. But um, as we go on, so you, you answered this a little bit, but uh, I'd like to ask you, Jeremy, why this book and why now? Um. I think one of the main things is is in our work in the space of nonprofits, at least the faith-based ones, and ours focusing in the areas of poverty and social justice, I think often there's a disconnect or just a mis, a misunderstanding of why we as Christians do this kind of work. Um, I think in my upbringing, um, sometimes in the past, it, it was almost a caricature of we need to do good works for people so that we can trick them into sharing the gospel at the end. We would do that with Christian concerts too. And it's almost like this bait and switch and like, like you have to get so many notches in your belt to like share the gospel. And, um, and I say that a little bit hy- hyperbolic, if that's the right way to say that word. Sounds impressive. <laughs> I think Austin, you nailed it. Yes. Yeah. It's a good choice. Um, <laughs> but I really think it's true. And it, and it just, and to take a step back and like, what what is God's design? What is God's mission for us as as followers? And is it sharing Christ? Absolutely. But is if that's the only thing we see, then I think we are limiting our understanding of a lot of life. And as our organizations, we're limiting the biblical foundation of of why this work matters. And it doesn't matter just so just to be able to then say something, but it is the efforts we're doing is fighting poverty and and doing acts of justice are part of the gospel as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's important to to point out now, Jeremy, you've been with the Life Center for how long? Uh, I think about four and a half years now. And so you guys have, uh, this is where you live, this is how you live, Mm -hmm. this is the thing that you do, and what are some, I think you came on here before, and you were talking about the observations that you've made about even fighting poverty and what that means. It's a little bit different than you you first began, and kind of speak a little bit about the conversion mentally that you had in your experience there yeah. just over the last few years. I think, I mean, even though I grew up, you know, having gone to Bethel and ECS and done service hours at the Life Center, just really didn't connect what the value of the work that was being done. And and when I got there, I realized there's this whole, whole world of um, nonprofit, of justice, of poverty work. And my knowledge was, you know, if you talk about a, iceberg just the very tip of the iceberg and it still is very little but but just the that helping people move forward is not me being a middle class person reaching down and rescuing someone out of the depths of despair and being a hero and helping them to 
pull up to mediocrity or to middle class or whatever the thing is, but it's more seeing that each person has potential, each person has worth and value exactly where they are, um, and that it is not my job to be a rescuer, hmm. but it is my job to partner with them, help them to see Christ, help them to see who he's made them to be, and to give whatever gifts I have to help them in that process, but also know that as we're members of a community, I'm receiving what gifts they have, um, and I'm listening to their strengths, and um, that we legitimately are helping each other build a better Evansville, better community. Um, and I think that's the big shift is just understanding like the stereotype of, of me being awesome and helping someone in a lower state is totally false. Um, Mm. as you get older or you get married, you realize you're not awesome. (laughs) You're reminded very often. Um, and, uh, but, uh, but it's it is the truth. But and then you just understand the value of each person that God made each person to to thrive um, and to flourish, and that we're all helping each other do that in a, in a variety of ways. Mm. Austin, if you were explaining this book to somebody, and I'm sure you have, they're asking, "What's the book about?" What would you say? Hmm. Yeah, that wasn't in the question I know. sheet you gave it's me. Came to me. He's <laughs> uh, got a notebook. That's he's full got a notebook. Yeah, I got a whole notebook. <laughs> something off just... the notebook, and he brought a notebook. Poor guy. We're so gonna let, have you read that notebook. Let me, yeah, let me answer it this way. So, um, I think something that Jeremy, you know, Jeremy's not only a co-author; he's a friend, and so I get to spend some time, uh, you know, just having conversations about what uh, God is is teaching us and and working in our lives. And I know we've taken different paths to to a similar realization of wanting to share the absolute freedom that the gospel uh, gives us, even in kingdom work. So, you know, we we talk about building a great city here at One Life. I was drawn to the very mission-driven pursuit at One Life and, and, you know, wrote a book about getting off the couch into the community for small groups. It's all about action, doing stuff, you know. I'm very, very passionate about that. And one of my earliest memories of when I, when I, when Jesus became Lord of my life, uh, I, I remember looking around like, where, where's the revolution? You know, like where, where is this thing that certainly is taking over the world and why isn't it happening? And why aren't these Christians doing action? You know, so, so over the last few years, I've been learning this just really revolutionary idea of, having freedom that we we work from rest that that the everything in our culture tells us that we have to achieve we have to we have to achieve higher status we have to have more money we need to even in our do good work like our nonprofits we're not cool unless we have tom's shoes you know like mm-hmm. unless we've got a name and you know even in in even in our doing good in the world we have to become known or we're not really doing good and uh, or we got to post it on social media or we've got to have a big following. And there's just this sense of of achievement and, it, and it's crushing us as a culture. Like we can't even do the normal things of Christian life in a free sense because there's this sense of weight. And so as we were stepping into um, nonprofit work, uh, there's unfortunately nonprofits can contribute to that. Here's another thing that you have to do. Oh yeah, you better serve at church. You better take care of your family. You better serve at nonprofits on the weekend. And it's just another thing that you can add to it. And so, when all of a sudden the Christian life isn't joy filled, it's this 
another weight. And then we wonder why people disconnect and, and fizzle out and walk away is because we're placing more and more more weight on them. Or we can't. Uh, I want to project that on other people. Um, and so th- there's this, the gospel is truly revolutionary in that everything that you would want to accomplish is already accomplished in Christ. There is nothing more that you can do. Like the best possible thing that you can ever experience in your reality is being in the presence of God. And that's, Jesus already made that way. It's done. It's accomplished. Christ is victorious over sin and death. And so it's this kind of like counterintuitive, insanely freeing thing that since all the work is already done, now I get to go do kingdom work. And it seems like it's a almost a trick of words or a, you know, a, a, a oh, you're just, you know, switching things around, but it's truly not. If you live into it, it's just a completely different reality of how to engage in gospel kingdom work in your everyday life. And so we wanted to communicate that in the best way that we knew how in a probably an incomplete way, uh, but in a way that we at least tried to lighten that load and free people uh, in the gospel. Good answer. For a question you weren't prepared for. So. <laughs> well, I actually was. I just took one that you said and changed. Nice. Uh, oh, okay, yeah. changed the question. <laughs> yeah. he, the, the less prepared he is, the longer he talks. Is that what We're the writing process was like? I will tell you, uh, jump in there on the writing process, because this was like a dream come true for me. Jeremy was just like, write all the content you want, and I'll make it into a book. And I was like, cha-ching. Like, that is something I'm great at, is cranking out a bunch of content that no one ever reads. <laughs> And so to be able for him to take uh, content and make it into something digestible was an absolute blast. So <laughs> thank you, fun. Jeremy. You can find a lot of Austin's content on onelifechurch.org slash stories. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. I've slash, read some of those. Slash yeah, blogs. That's right. yeah, slash blogs. Um, Jeremy, who's, who is this book for? You guys spent a couple pages towards the beginning explaining that, but um, talk about yeah, it a little bit. Primarily, it would be those who would consider themselves Christians in Evansville um, and hope that just kind of were addressing a lot of issues they've either encountered or hope to to think through a little bit. Um, but also it's just really anyone who's wondering how do poverty and social justice and Christianity, how do those work together? Um, we hear a lot of things on both sides of the political spectrum on what that means and I think we kind of hijack words and hijack philosophies on both sides. And so we want to kind of hopefully bring things ideally from a biblical standpoint. Granted, anybody that shares anything always says, well, mine's the biblical standpoint. But <laughs> but instead of maybe starting where culture is, we're hopefully starting from what we think the Bible talks about on these topics. Um, and then honestly, it's not aimed at those who are not followers of Christ, but I think it's something that if you're curious about what this whole thing is about, hopefully you could get a perspective of what what the gospel is, who Jesus is, um, and how it kind of interacts with daily life. Yeah, and yeah. if you were to think in terms of uh, someone in at Evansville, you would think they would at least have a, a little bit of an intrigue there. Sure. Even if they weren't a believer, yeah. like, hey, well, I hope number so. one, it's kind of clever. I mean, let's just say it. Hey. Anybody, oh. I don't know if anybody's done it before, but, you know, Evansville, Evansville, mm-hmm. pretty clever. But they, they would at least be compelled by that. Yeah. And then, but I also, you, you referenced the whole social justice thing, and mm-hmm. it's, it's become a buzzword, obviously, or a buzz term. 
Uh, so do you settle what it is and that it's good, or can you give up? You'll have to read the book to find it. No, it's a whole chapter. I just noticed, like I believe that the Christian Church is the most overly self-corrective place on the planet because yeah. no matter what the subject is, somebody has written a book against it for it, and, and then they write <laughs> yeah. it. You know, so social justice is a new one of those as well. Yes. And, and so there's a lot of debates going around about that. So how do you guys handle that? Is it can I just dismiss it if I'm cynical? Is Ah, social justice book. Why don't I start and you clean up what I mess up? (laughs) Sounds good. Okay, but this is Austin's content, but you editing is that is that how Uh, it went? I actually think that particular section was Jeremy and Merrick. Yeah, Jeremy and Merrick. Yeah. So, um, if we step back even from social justice and look at justice in the Bible, justice is a quality of God characteristic. Um, it's something he calls people to all the time. Um, it's a way of life he prescribes us to. And, um, and so what we define social justice as from a biblical standpoint is just justice in a social context. And so I think that enables it to not take a, whichever political direction or, um, manipulation, might be attempted to to do that. Um, I, I think you can't argue that just no one can argue that justice is not a character of God and and something we should pursue. And so, so in a social context, which can mean a lot of different things, we we are to pursue justice in our own lives, which would be righteousness. We are to pursue justice in our conversation right now, in the way I treat my family, in the people, my neighbors, um, and that can be systemically, it can be individually, and it can be corporately in a lot of ways. And so that's, that's how we define it. Um, and I think that hopefully helps it from being co-opted into something that maybe is not. Yeah. I actually say that because it was, I I have read the book and it was my favorite part of it was the number one, because it is such a, it's a current debate. Yeah. Uh, And, and number two, just because it reframed it different. Yeah. And I thought you did as, as good a job as anybody I've heard uh, mm-hmm. and it ought yeah, to good. get credit beyond Evansville, frankly. Well, thanks. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> you got it. I had to just maybe tackle the, the question from a slightly different angle of, I wrote down a quote here from Andy Stanley. Uh, he did a great um, sermon on the constitution and, and the laws uh, and the <laughs> foundation of our uh, country. And, uh, he, he said something along the lines of laws only produce the least common good. And so, so they're really a, a, a minimum barrier to bad. And, and that really always stuck in my head because a lot of times this whole social justice issue gets caught up in politics right. um, and it gets caught up in legislation and it gets almost equated or defined that way. And I love how Jesus, you know, he, he, he battled that in his time. He battled um, people trying to make the world right through laws. Um, and, and what he said was, I didn't come to abolish the law. So if you think about the minimum good created in the world, there's no reason to, to abolish things that create minimum good, right? Um, but he came to fulfill the law. And he did that by unleashing love. And so when I think about us taking action as the people of God or the church or disciples of Jesus, I think about us unleashing love in the world and that that creates really infinite opportunities that we 
sometimes rail against or feel incapable of enacting these change in these very complex mm-hmm. social issues and we feel stuck and ha- we can't change laws or we don't have millions of dollars uh, we can't you know change the environment we can't all these things that get equated with these social justice issues but we can love someone and we can be active uh, active participants in justice today right now in our city and I think about what would happen if we unleashed thousands and millions of act, actions of of love in our community, then we wouldn't even need to pursue these political definitions of social justice because it would be heaven in Evansville. Wow. Was, especially the way it landed that plane. Is there, I don't know, tell the notes helped. It's very, really good. I didn't even have that in there. Oh, wow. Really? Okay. That's awesome. Um, you know, as as you were talking about uh, earlier, that that section was it was Jeremy and Merrick. As three of you writing a book, what's that like? Like rotating? Like do you have sections you're each kind of focusing on, or um, do you guys have like a framework you're working on at the beginning and then kind of work from there? What's, how's that work with three authors? Well, I just want to start off by commending Jeremy. He's uh, I've this is the first project I've actually gotten to work with him on anything, and it's been just remarkable his leadership and. Uh, the way his brain thinks and the way he's organized and put things together. It's been a joy to work under him. Um, But yeah, I mean, we kind of, Jeremy kind of outlined what he thought would be good content of the book. And then uh, everyone just said, oh, I would really like to have that piece or I'd like to have that one. And we just divided it up and then cranked out a bunch of uh, content, which then he wrangled into a cohesive (laughs) uh, whole and so it was really seamless uh, for us, but he probably put a lot more hours of work into it. <laughs> it was well, and then the next step was Emily Luttrell basically editing for us and looking through it, and which was great because she is not a dude <laughs> and gives a a much different perspective, and it was really really Good helpful. Point. Um, Good point. And uh, she helped shape it and make it a lot better from that, and. Yeah, so I mean, it was interesting because it's the first one I've written with somebody else um, like that, and so I think it was harder um, because there's more any more complexities you add. You know, there's more layers mm-hmm. of oh, I don't know, I wouldn't do it this way, and that, well, let's try that, and more kind of checks and balances and stuff. But um, but I think the overall content is way better than I could have done on my own, like much better. And so that's that's rewarding to see that, and you're like, it was harder, but this is this is way better. It was fun. That's awesome. And I love that you mentioned Emily. And then also, um, you guys have some really great art in the book. And that yeah. was done by Brian Bretz, who is an incredible artist right here. Um, attends One Life and, and lives in Evansville. And um, I was excited to see that. I was love thumbing through them. I'm like, oh, it's so cool. It's like, yeah, they're simple, awesome. but they're just, they're great. So. so it's a true, fully Evansville product. Then. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's That's fun. Um, and as we kind of wrap up, I got a couple of questions that I want to um, end on. But what's what's the... What's the thing that you, you mentioned this a little bit, Austin, but if you can get more specific, like what's something that you hope people do after reading this book? Honestly, I hope, I hope that they take a step back and, and just take a breath and see a bigger picture of Jesus and of the gospel and of the kingdom of God. And to realize that sometimes in our pursuit of life and family and career and job and everything, it all gets muddled together and you feel like, like Austin said, like you're striving. Um, and I hope that they just realize that life with God is not, like Eric Cummings says, it's not 
it's not about adding religious practices and baggage onto your life. It's, it's stepping into a new way of life. And, um, and that's what I hope. I hope they just feel a tremendous sense of freedom that I'm, I'm not under obligation to uh, try to achieve being a better Christian, but instead that Christ is living through me. Therefore, as a challenge, I want to do that. Christ is empowering me to love people and hopefully in deeper and stronger and more challenging ways. But the difference in that is is just key. Mm. And you can do it in a way that you're trying to do it on your own strength and it burdens you and leads you to lots of unkingdom-like things. Or you can do it in a way that allows Jesus to hopefully grow and move in you. And so that's, that's what I hope people come away with. Um, and we always joke and, and that community one and it was a Christian life center get lots of donations, but, <laughs> um, but, but really like, I think that's, that's the goal. And, and when we talked, I mean, Eric was kind of instrumental in some conversations before this. Um, I think that from our organizations and from our community, I think that's holding us back as a community is this understanding. And there's a lot of different caricatures of following Jesus. And I think some of them can be wrapped up in how we perceive the gospel. And I just, I, I hope that people can, can see how good and how big Jesus is. Yeah. The number one goal would just be a sense of freedom. And I know that that's not necessarily tangible, uh, like the, you want clear cut like action thing, which I'll give you one at the end, but um, it's just a sense of, of freedom. So uh, we, using our friend uh, Ross Chapman's illustration that he gives, imagine your life being a pie, you know, and you have like 186 hours a week. I think that's the right number. I can't remember exactly. But if you divide that up into, you know, your work, what we call maintenance so that's be your sleeping your tooth teeth brushing your you know driving around uh your your family life then then you you have your extra bucket and oftentimes um just because of the way uh America is uh every, culture kind of forces our faith and Jesus and church and nonprofit service into that extra bucket and so then you've got to cram it in whether it's you know uh, Sunday mornings, obviously, uh, but then, or it's Saturday, you know, or this event or, and it's like, it, again, it just starts to become feeling like, like this weight. And so I love, um, the upcoming series that we're talking about here at One Life was centered, uh, because the goal is that Jesus, the scripture gives these radical claims that, you know, Jesus is in you, that, that we will do greater things than Jesus, the, who, by the way, is God incarnate, came to do. And, and so thinking about these things, about Jesus is the center of my life, and then my faith is at the center, and so then everything I do is constantly kingdom work. And so seeing uh, how you uh, spend time with your children on the drive to school, or how you uh, serve on Sunday mornings in in a in a in a church, or or as I go through my work in my day to day life, that's why we settled kind of on these glasses because when we when they're cracked and we're viewing them as a as a kind of a shattered view of of the gospel, broken view of our city, then we then we're not living into the fullness and clarity of what it means to live as Christ in our everyday lives, and so. Um, just, yeah, just a sense of freedom, but then a sense of urgency as well. And that's the beautiful part about the gospel, um, is that 
you, you, the work is already accomplished, but then we get to step into that completed work of Christ. And so God give us a mission because he loves us. Now we have meaning and purpose and, and it's, we're not ran, randomly doing nothing with our lives. So it's something that a gift actually, because he loves us that we get to participate in joining in him in his mission. And so it's just a sense of freedom, but then a sense of urgency, but not that we have to accomplish anything, but because we love the world and we love this creation that God uh, given us, so has given us. And we love Evansville. And we, we love Evansville. Because that's, right. that's, that's what, what we've One of my favorite things about the book is, and I know that's not set up to sell in New York very well. I mean, it's just, <laughs> you know, they've probably sacrificed no. that. You know, uh, <laughs> so Heaven you can sell oh, you know, a top 130,000 uh, copies. <laughs> but other than that, yeah. but I, I do, I love the, I, I love that spin on it. Just uh, this is our community and a lot of people uh, can relate to that. And it, and it makes it relatable that I can love someone right here that I, yeah. I, I see at the grocery store or that I have as a neighbor or someone that's at the soccer field with me and that kind of thing. And, and I think, it hopefully will give people that perspective. And if ever, as many people as possible had that in our community, imagine the impact it would have. People mm-hmm. were yeah. actively loving one another out of the freedom that you're talking about mm-hmm. and they identify it literally. And then what I think is going to happen is you guys are going to start a trend and there'll be individual books for cities all over the... That'd be awesome. Uh, although be they won't be able to say heaven in their name because right. we've already taken that. So it's good, <laughs> it's okay. good job. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's part of the perks of living in Evansville. That's so right. That's something right. that rhymes with heaven. Yeah. <laughs> And as you talk about Evansville, and um, I know that you have some endorsements in the front of the book, which Brett and I are both in there. You're in That's there too? True. I yeah. did not realize. That's Good fine, job, Brett. Guys. Thanks for noticing me. <laughs> 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 Turn this way. <laughs> See the final <laughs> copy. I read the print copy. Um, no, but uh, what's the reaction been locally as, as you, or even not locally for people that you've, you share with? Yeah, we have just been overwhelmed. You know, you write a book like that and you're like, or anything, you know, any sort of creative endeavor and you wonder really in the back of your mind if anyone cares, <laughs> you know, and you sometimes put, you don't even have to wonder. Well, right. Yeah. Yeah. I think mover and maker, the last book I re- wrote, uh, 58 people, uh, bought coffee. So, uh, so, so, so anyways, yeah, but we were, I mean, overwhelmed, uh, so, so many local pastors and ministry leaders actually read the book and gave us endorsements. And, and it, uh, it's just, we've just been um, so, it's an overused word, but truly blessed uh, that people have taken it seriously and read it and been so complimentary and uh, just really glowing things to say. And we even got a few um, what would be in, in Christian literature circles, which you know, it's not too wide, a big name endorsements, Eric Swanson and, and Robert Lupton. And I said, I had a, a one life story with Eric Swanson. So my first day on staff at one life, I walk into my office and on the desk is a MacBook and a book called to transform a city, which is by Eric Swanson. And I didn't know what else to do? No one greeted me beyond that. I was just sitting in the office. I guess, well, I guess I'll transform a city. <laughs> I guess that's what they're telling me to do. That's right. Proud to get on that. Yeah. So then Eric Swanson, all these years later, has become an active participant through the work that For Evansville is doing with Ross Chapman and helping build a great city. And he's talked to One Life Leadership, and now he's endorsed the book. You know, So it's, it's just kind of a neat that's kind cool. of full circle thing. That's right. It has come full circle. That's awesome. Well, the book is called Heavensville. Um, you can find out more information and get a copy at restoringpeople.com slash heaven. And guys, thanks so much for coming on. And also, thanks for letting us read your book. Thank it's you. cool. We love I it. I appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs>
just looked at Brett like I didn't know I thought, if I was supposed to do something. <laughs> I just felt like you were gonna say something. You think oh, after episode fifty two I would know. Uh, we're still I just learning. Felt like that. <laughs> um no, but Brett, anything to add as we close out? Uh, <laughs> I just uh, looked at you expecting you to say that and I didn't say it so that's my fault uh, I know that is your fault that's an unspoken uh, expectation uh, unspoken expectation yeah, yeah we learned that um, well uh, I, I think first of all that we are going into just uh, as a church I've been really really super encouraged by how many people have been participating in the fast and have been complaining about it and everything's been great <laughs> uh, in the best sense you know yeah, like, I've oh, been man, very impressed I, I mean yeah people are a lot people, of people that can't do diet things are telling me what they're it's just cool it's fun and I'm hoping and I, I stopped me uh, on a uh, it was a first Friday's thing out at Newburgh this past Friday where a guy said uh, he, he really has he felt a deeper connection with God as a result and, and people are taking it seriously and but at the same time struggling with it and can't wait to uh, eat you know the hot yeah. dog on the corn dog uh, kind of thing <laughs> and so that's been great but I, I've been very impressed with it we're leading up to centered and I and I think God's going to honor that uh, in a lot of ways that I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how that happens you know what's what's going to be how God shows up in some unique way because yeah. people have been asking him to yeah, I was at Fall Festival today for mm-hmm. lunch with a West Sider. It's her birthday today. She's been on this pack podcast, Jamie Bilo, and she was like frantically looking at the food oh. map for a booth that she could get to still food. be on the oh. on the her Daniel birthday Festival. at that on the <laughs> West birthday, Side Fall Festival. There West Sider, so she's a rights grad. I mean, you oh want to talk goodness, about sac- sacrifice? Yeah. I think yeah. apple cider is the only That's option. Right. Yeah. yeah, it's a, it's it's a good thing. She was going. I saw a baked potato on here somewhere. Yeah, but they all have like pork loaded yeah. in them and everything. So. And deep fried. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Ooh, I think we just got our One Life booth. Oh, gosh. That's right. That's right. You just signed up to work it. So, <laughs> uh, again, thanks, Austin and Jeremy and Jeff for being on the podcast. And guys, thanks for being on, on our one year anniversary episode. Yes. And we'll expect you to be on with a new book for the two year anniversary. It's a deal. Okay. All, All right. right. We'll do it. <laughs> Thank you guys for joining us. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the One Life Podcast. If you heard anything that you want other people to know, we totally love it if you share that out on social media and let other people hear it as well. My name's Sarah and I produced this episode and our music was produced by Micah Robertson and Ben Brock. Make sure you hit the subscribe button so you get an alert anytime there's a new episode. If you ever want to contact us at the podcast, you can email us at podcast at onelifechurch.org.